Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to Bird's Eye Astrology Podcast. I'm Arthur. I'm Margaret. We are starting this recording at 7.44pm on May 28th, 2019. And welcome to the June forecast. How are you doing, Margaret? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) The past few months have been a little tiring, but I finally graduated from school, so now I will be less tired. Mazel tov. How are you? I'm doing all right. I had a bit of an intense school semester, but um, taking the summer to really just focus on on tweeting. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tweeting and seeing clients. I love doing client work. It's my favorite part of being an astrologer. And, um, Me too. I, it's great. Yeah. And really, I just hope that, uh, you know, I don't know. I love doing the podcast and I love tweeting and I love writing. But most of all, I love seeing clients. Shout out to all my clients who are listening. I love you. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> to my clients, too. If any of you are listening. Probably some of you are. True that. Because I, I have a lot more availability this summer to see clients, too. So Yeah, same. I'm really excited. Yeah, so looking forward to getting some bookings. ArthurLiponowitz.com slash readings. <laughs> hey, Hashtag self-promotion. <laughs> hey, you gotta. <laughs> of course. Anyway, unfortunately, Nate is not with us this month. Because he's been dealing with a lot of stuff, including teaching in the south of France. So he has that going for him. Yeah, he's doing some cool stuff right now. So I guess we can forgive him. <laughs> we can forgive him for not being with us. Ooh, this is uh, this is going to be a fun month. June! <laughs> yeah. So, just to give a broad overview of June, I wrote in my... Uh, my year ahead thing on my blog about the astrology of 2019 I wrote this uh, last winter that there's two main themes defining 2019. There's what I've been calling the boneyard, the pile up of Saturn, Pluto, and the South Node in Capricorn, and there's the Jupiter Neptune square. Um, the boneyard is what I'm blaming for the big, heavy, oppressive atmosphere in the air. This very sort of oppressive feeling yeah, that everything seems to have right now. Quite literally translated, too, sometimes. Like, literal oppression around every corner. Oh, yeah. It's quite 100%. something. <laughs> yeah, and um, and also the, the legacy of the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with the, our, you know, Americans dealing with the fuck-ups we had as a country. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've been seeing it show up in client meetings a lot where there's this story of, I haven't dealt with this in a very long time, and now uh, it's becoming unavoidable and I have to deal with it. Yeah, which is a mixed bag. I mean, it's nice to deal with that stuff, but there's a reason you're avoiding it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, that too. Um. 
but like it also has to do with this feel this this apocalyptica going around yeah and that's something that i've thought about a lot with um the saturn pluto cycle and how we're living in this very saturn pluto moment and how every time saturn conjoins pluto about every 31 years i think it's about every 31 years might be 32 33 anyway there's this overwhelming feeling in the air like the world is over the world is about to end and can confirm we're feeling that right now (laughs) you know mass extinction climate change all of it and what i take comfort in is the fact that the world hasn't ended yet and the fact that it seems so convincing and so much like oh my god the world's about to end right now it feels that way every time this cycle comes around right there's comfort in knowing it'll pass eventually yeah exactly there's comfort in knowing probably the world's not actually going to end. It just seems... <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> it emoji. really does feel like that, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know? So I think it's important to keep in mind that this feeling is not... The risks are real. The danger is real. The apocalypse. Humanity finds a way to avert it somehow yeah. or other. And that's, that sort of brings up the other theme of the Jupiter-Neptune square, which has a lot going on with it, but the one that I think of the most is this sort of unreasonable, foolish hope. <laughs> like, this sort of buoyancy and optimism and hope for the future, which is just foolish on a certain level, especially when you're living in times this dark, but is exactly what we need right now. Jupiter and Sagittarius alone can provide a lot of hope and optimism, but it's, you know, it's still Sagittarius. There's still some grounding in reality. Right. Bringing Neptune in the mix brings the element of delusion into it, which we need. Because when everything around you seems so unavoidably apocalyptic, believing in hope for the future takes a certain amount of, what are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. Why on earth would I believe that? <laughs> exactly. But here we are. And onward here we, we are. go. <laughs> and the reason I bring up all this up is because both of these themes are really intensified in June. Oh, yeah. You've got the second pass of the Jupiter-Neptune square going exact. So that the volume on that is turned up. And you've got a bunch of stuff aspecting it from Gemini. And you've got all of this stuff going through cancer at the same time, aspecting the boneyard. Yeah, anything, because the boneyard's cardinal, I mean, anything cardinal is going gonna, is gonna to get smacked around by it, as it were. Yeah. Well, it's not just going to get smacked around. I mean, some of it is smacking around, and some of it is you need to do your homework. True. And clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> Tidy your life. <laughs> exactly. Marie Kondoing with a flamethrower. Marie Kondo your life. <laughs> Seriously though, I love I love her. She has done wonders. Marie Kondo. Yes, for my apartment cleaning, packing, moving. Oh Amazing. my god, I had a. Okay, never mind. We won't tell that story on air. <laughs> 
Touche. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the thing you just got me that you're that we're not going to tell people what it is was uh, because yeah. yeah, someone was Marie Kondoing their apartment. Yes. <laughs> I love that. The world turns, yeah. folks. <laughs> yes, it does. Anyway, so all of this stuff is happening at around 18 degrees as well. Because mm-hmm. around 18 degrees is where Jupiter is for a lot of the month. It's where Neptune is. It's where Saturn is. So anything in your natal chart that's around 18 degrees is going to get a lot of attention from all this. Margaret, there was something you were pointing out about that before we started recording? Yeah. Um. Anyone born... In 1991, 92, 93-ish arena, our uh, Uranus-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn is at 18 degrees. Yeah, 18, 19, 21, 22. Around there, close enough to form an orb that it would be affected by all of this going on. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. If you feel particularly affected, you and those of your immediate age surrounding you, that, that would make sense. Yeah, and also if it's because it's hitting generational planets, it's hitting mm-hmm. the generation. Right. It's having a bigger collective effect. So us soon-to-be Saturn returnees are getting hit particularly hard by, I don't know, I have feeling a lot of foreboding, but that's also the Saturn-Pluto in and of itself. Kinda it's also just Saturn. That's <laughs> Right. <laughs> Saturn raining on our parade and making us grow up. Dreading your Saturn return is just like part of having a Saturn return. It's just it's just life. But I can like yeah. I can like tell when I meet people if they've had their Saturn return or not yet. It's weird. Yeah. Like I just know. It's kinda cool though. Like you are an adult. <laughs> Hats off. <laughs> yeah, you've gotten you- your certificate of adulthood. Your certificate of adulthood, exactly. Your adulthood <laughs> trophy. Yeah. Your participation oh, medal. Man. Us millennials love those. <laughs> Look, millennials do not love participation Agreed. medals. I was being silly, but oh my god, you're you're so right. <laughs> but no, like we constant we got criti- like the older generations criticize us for wanting a participation medal. We've never wanted those. We never wanted those participation medals. Those were given to us by our parents because they couldn't handle us not being thought of as special. We exactly. knew they were bullshit. <laughs> Take them back. I don't want this green ribbon thing. Leave me alone. (laughs) No, I absolutely. Let me tell you, when you give every kid a medal, they know it's bullshit. Yeah, kids are not stupid. Well, no, occasionally cruel, but not stupid. Right. (laughs) They know. They know more than you think they know. They're very clever. Yeah, and sometimes more than you want them to. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Anyway. June. We should probably talk about the month. Yeah. June is going, it's, it's upon us. <laughs> well, um, so this episode might not get out uh, in time for the first. It probably won't. Our talented and wonderful audio engineer, Kat. Bless. <laughs> uh, has been at Norwalk over the past weekend, this major astrological conference, which I did not get to go to because it was on the opposite side of the country, and it's like a $500 plane ticket or whatever. 
near same reasons why I didn't go. I had a graduation to attend, which was lovely, but counter conflict. Oh, that does sound fun. It was nice. I'm hashtag so jealous. Like I'm just, I'm just so jealous. <laughs> oh! <laughs> this must have been how people felt when we went to UAC. Kinda. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. Absolutely. UAC was absolutely. awesome. I didn't even have Twitter at the time, which I missed out. I missed out. <laughs> I did not actually, I actually have not had too much like, oh man, I wish I was there, pangs. Yeah. I had that with soda last fall. Oh, This time yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's been a fucking year. <laughs> True. I'm going to relax this weekend. Yeah. I'm just going to relax. That sounds excellent. As you should, well deserved. Uh-huh. You work very hard. Yeah. Anyway. June? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that whole June thing, which starts on... Uh, June, you know. yeah. So so June 1st, you've got an interesting astrological arrangement where you've got... Um, Venus had just passed her trying to Saturn and is trining Pluto. She actually... She perfects her trying to Pluto on the 2nd. On Saturday, on June 1st, you've got the Moon and Taurus conjunct Venus after she's gotten past Saturn. And on the United States, you can get Venus on the Midheaven during Venus Hour. Unfortunately, if you wanted to use it for magic, you kind of can only do that on the West Coast because... Otherwise, uh, the moon is trining. The moon is way too close to Saturn, and in fact, trines Saturn before she reach touches Venus. Um, not sure I'd want to use it for magic, for like a talisman or whatever. But like, there's some Venus magic I wanted to do that I would have needed a trine to Pluto for, and I can only do it on the West Coast, <laughs> and I'm not going to the West Coast, so that's annoying. Alas, but like the point is, the first couple of days of June have this kind of nice vibe of this grounded, earthy sensuality with the moon there for a lot of it, and but also like in kind of intensity, would you say, with the Venus trine Pluto? Yeah, I mean, the trine gives it more of a a structured, I don't want to say stability thing, but a, you know, it's like the back of a picture frame, like it's being propped up. So I, intensity, yes, but it's not like a, urgency kind of just chill no which does go along with the earth vibe yeah but i mean it's still pluto it's dig deep time but if you dig deep you may like what you find more that sounds dirty the way you said that (laughs) which i appreciate yeah (laughs) oh man (laughs) if we don't laugh on this podcast why bother (laughs) anyway (laughs) anyway and then on june 4th you've got mercury entering cancer how would you describe mercury and cancer margaret i was just gonna ask you the same question i myself have an aries mercury as is the kind of the theme of the whole podcast thing so whenever mercury's in cancer i struggle (laughs) i just struggle to communicate which is you know understandable 
it's just a very intuitive vibe because as you've said on previous podcasts arthur and that i've heard throughout my astrological tenure is that the water signs are mute yes so in mercury they're more it's more feeling it out almost blindfolded than it is directly you know speaking and having an easy time that way as far as cancer i don't know I just always end up having a hard time because I always feel like people are hiding things from me, but it's really just Cancerian shell activity. <laughs> but I'm always like, just tell me. Just what do you want? <laughs> yep. I appreciate that about you. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> no, the water signs are mute signs. They don't communicate as well. Mercury in a water sign wants to sort of feel things out rather than use words Yeah, all the time. But there's also like a care and a deliberateness in terms of how words are spoken. Not like the Taurus care and deliberateness where it's sort of a methodical sort of taking your time. In Cancer, it's more of a... It's more tender. Tender, yes, but also guarded. Oh, yeah. Hesitant, but well-intentioned. And sideways. The crab moves sideways, <laughs> which is why it's important. Scuttle. That... Scuttle. <laughs> Scuttle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is why it's important that you use a crab and not a lobster. Correct. For, cra- for cancer. Very important. Yes. Lobster gate. Oh, my God, it's everywhere. Lobster gate 2019. <laughs> Lobstergate. <laughs> Hashtag Lobstergate. Um, Chris will never live that one down. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm a fan. <laughs> but no, because no. The, so the the mercurial stuff, the communication, the organization doesn't go directly. It sort of shifts to the side in how it tries to talk about what it talks about. Mm-hmm. And. We'll get more into the the fun that Mercury is dealing with, but we forgot the lunation. Ah. So we skipped right past it because it's on the 3rd. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So on June 3rd, Monday, at 6.01.49 a.m. on the East Coast of the United States, you've got a new moon at 12 degrees of Gemini. So, I am not a fan of the Lunations this month. Um, So, this one is an interesting one because I noticed that on the East Coast, I'm I'm based in New York City, Mm -hmm. um, you could get this moon, this new moon, Lunar Kazemi, on the Ascendant, moon hour moon day and i'm like hmm that's interesting i wonder what i can use this for magic and so i look up all of the stuff about this particular lunar mansion and the, the moon doesn't have a lot of dignity there that's fine it's gemini but it's a, let me look up the lunar mansion let me look up the deccan it's all like super super malefic stuff yeah like i think the picatrix mentions something about the destruction of cities oh which is fun. Nate <laughs> and I talked a bit about that last episode. About like, really? You give a talisman to destroy a city. Why would you? Yeah. Why? Anyway, if you want to do that in secret, 
don't. Just don't. But this new moon has a lot of that very malefic. The moon's in a very malefic lunar mansion. So I would expect there to be a lot of high-level secret plotting going on here. Just because, you know, the new moon is good for doing stuff in secret. Just watch your back, generally. At least it's the ruler of this new moon is dignified. And actually, right around the time of this new moon, you've got Mercury's heliacal rise. First time Mercury's visible in the night sky, just around sunset. After coming out from under the beams of the sun. And when a planet is just making its heliacal rise, it, it's said to be very powerful, according to a few of the Hellenistic authors. So you've got that. You've got a very strong new moon for, like, Gemini stuff. Um, I wouldn't necessarily use it for strict magic, but in a more general, broad sense, good for Gemini stuff. Communication, thinking, planning. I Maybe not starting a book, but, like, <laughs> Just because I feel like, you know, a lot of people will, like, use these sorts of lunar, these new moons to launch projects. Right. But the new moon is the time when things are dark and they're most hidden. So maybe a project you start working on, like a book, for example, with the Gemini stuff, it might not necessarily ever get any attention. Right. But uh, good for, like, well, Marie Kondoing. You know, Absolutely. <laughs> cleaning out the stuff, but also doing a lot of planning and organization for the future. So keep that in mind around this new moon. We might try and go through these a little quickly this month. Yeah. We're both tired. It's hot out. Yeah, um, it's starting to be actual summer. <laughs> yes, actual summer with actual heat. Yes. Hooray. Well, I mean, you and I, you and I are Northmore. I mean, Southmore people have been getting hot earlier, but we've oh, avoided know. it for I long know. enough. It's coming. Yes. <laughs> no, believe me, I know some people in Texas, and they're extremely hot. Oh, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Man, I don't think any of the people I'm talking about in that listen to this podcast, although maybe a couple of them do. Anyway. Oh, man. Oh, where were we? Um, where the fuck were we? Right, so Venus and Gemini. Yes. Venus goes into Gemini on the 8th, and that is not good for it. That's not great for a number of reasons. Um, I like Venus and Gemini from a natal standpoint. I like the Venus and Gemini personality. I like it's very bright, sparkly. You know, the aesthetic is interesting and innovative. It's a very social Venus. Mm -hmm. It's a very quick-thinking Venus. It's a Venus that's a bit of a butterfly flitting about. Oh, yeah. But then Venus is answering to Mercury, and so is the sun, as Mercury gets closer and closer to the boneyard. It is kind of nice, though. Like, uh, Venus has very strong dignity in Taurus, good at doing all of her natural Venus things, but mm -hmm. not the most energetic Venus. Right. You know, if you need some of that more, sort of more of that sugar, <laughs> sugar rush kind <laughs> of uh, beauty and love stuff. Yeah. You get that with Venus and Gemini. Pixie Six. 
Oh makes, man, yes. Makes me think of pixie sticks. Pixie, well, pixies. Yeah, and their sticks. Yeah, Venus and Gemini is pixie-like. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. But those are all the good reasons we discussed. A few that may be make it a little more difficult. Yeah, because on a practical, st- I mean, it's not going to be too terrible for the fir- for the first little bit. Yeah. Um. It's just that Venus and Gemini is not going to make some of the other stuff easier. So over the next couple of days, I want to say on like the 9th or 10th, let me actually look up when it is in this other window. Yeah, on, so on June 9th, um, the sun squares Neptune. And the next day, less than 24 hours later, on June 10th, the sun opposes Jupiter. Around June 9th, 10th, you've got the first quarter moon which is going to be in Virgo, which is going to be forming a mutable grand cross with the sun, moon, Neptune, and Jupiter. Yes. Which I don't even think that's going to be that bad. I actually think it, I mean, it's going to be intense. It's going to be flighty. It's going to be all over the place with Jupiter and involved such as it is. I feel like it'll be and interesting. Ju- and, yeah. Know? Well, Jupiter's retrograde. Okay. And when a, pl- a retrograde planet, a retrograde planet that isn't Venus or Mercury opposes the sun, that is the halfway point of the retrograde. Right. So this time is going to be the exact halfway point of the Jupiter retrograde. But of these four in this mutable Grand Cross, um, Jupiter is the one with the most dignity. Jupiter has a lot of say. Um, I believe the moon is even going to be in Jupiter's terms. And Jupiter is going to be ruling Neptune as well. Um, both by sign and by face. So Jupiter has a lot of power over this whole configuration. And he's Jupiter. He's in Sagittarius. He's happy and giving out good stuff, and he's retrograde, so he's not as good as he could be. But he's got a lot going for him. Yeah. All's well that ends well kind of situation, and I think this is going to be an intense configuration, but pretty a positive one. Yeah. Hold on to that buoyancy. <laughs> Again, with the Jupiter, being prone to overdoing things and going over the top is a risk. With Jupiter-Neptune square being so intense this month, this is not a month. This is a month to mind your indulgences, to not get too drunk, to not spend too much time uh, doing whatever it is that you do for your self-indulgence. To not power shop too hard power shop i wouldn't even think of that one to not play video games all afternoon (laughs) yes do you have anything you wanted to add mark i mean i can i can agree with you it's just the the vibe i'm feeling is i think it's just that saturn pluto vibe i'm finding it hard to navigate through that just because it's affecting me natally so much. I'm the entire month of June I have to pack up to move. And I've lived oh, in wow. my I've lived in my current apartment for four years and I'm a Taurus and I've accumulated a lot of things. <laughs> I've accumulated a lot yes. of things. So I will literally just be going through my things every night after work and every weekend moving furniture and stuff for like the whole month. So <laughs> So I'm like, oh, <laughs> every time we talk about an aspect, I'm like, noted. <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing 
in terms of exactly what I was talking about with the boneyard of dealing with these things that have not been dealt with in a very long time. In mm -hmm. your case, it's literally like the physical space you live in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's this cleaning up and clearing out, which is part of this aspect, which I've been seeing all over the place. And a lot of it has to do with whatever house it's in. I should look up the chart of the date when I moved in and see if anything was going on then. But it's stuff that needs to be done. You know, it's cleaning out, clearing up that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. So the next big cluster of shit starts <laughs> happening right after this Grand Cross starts ending. You've got around, mm, I want to say June 11th, 12th. You've got Mars getting real close to Saturn. And this period of time... This is what Austin Copper called the meat grinder, or the beginning of the meat grinder. Um, but you've got this period of time, starting around, I want to say, the 11th or 12th, and then going into... Um, oh, I mean, it lasts, but, like, uh, the hardest part... Well, the worst of it is just these first few days into... I want to say the 17th or so. Okay. Where it's just really emotionally difficult and challenging. So you first you've got Mars coming up against Saturn. Mars opposite Saturn is rough. Um, particularly when Saturn has the upper hand, as he does here, being uh, dignified in uh, Capricorn and Mars having no dignity and, in fact, uh, in fall in Cancer where this this opposition creates a lot of obstacles, frustrations, blockages, trying to move and having it not go anywhere. Frustration in all caps with spaces between all the letters is how I experience <laughs> all of these. <laughs> so, yep. I feel. Meat grinder. Yep. Yes. Um... Side note, I pay a lot of attention to, like, Mars and Can... I have tweeted, like, half a dozen times when something seems Mars and Cancer to me. Like, a meme or whatever. Yeah. And there's been a bunch of news stories, very Mars and Cancer news stories lately. Patrick Watson posted on his blog a thing about Mars and Cancer and the politicians getting milkshaked. Yes! <laughs> So, like, there have been all of these politicians, these right-wing politicians, particularly in England or Great Britain, getting attacked by milkshakes, <laughs> which is such a Mars and Cancer thing. Like, a milkshake is not a, is not a weapon. It's a milkshake. <laughs> no. And these politicians are just getting milkshakes. Right? A milkshake is not a weapon. It is a milkshake. Bask in my glory. Um, Forever. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got these politicians getting attacked with fucking milkshakes. And it's a thing. It's like, this, it's this, raise, this, raise the sword of the milkshake. <laughs> As a major news story while Mars is in cancer. Um, and then there was this other thing I saw of this um, just today, where 
somebody sent a legal threat over copyright, which was an utterly bullshit legal threat, <laughs> in cutesy wootsy twee language. Oh my god! <laughs> because they thought it was on brand for their company. Oh the my! The guy later apologized. <laughs> And the company that did that is, it wasn't even a fucking lawyer. Anyway, that was another sort of um, Mars and Cancer thing where, God, what was the response tweet I saw? Something like, oh, you've got a lovely widow company there. Isn't it just the sweetest? It would be an absolutely terrible thing if something were to happen to it. Oh my God. (laughs) Mars and Cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, it is very hard to milkshake a brick wall. (laughs) Is it a verb now? (laughs) Yes, milkshake is a verb now. (laughs) It is very hard to milkshake a brick wall. Yes. And that seems to be what's happening here when Mars and Cancer starts opposing Saturn and Capricorn. Truth. Yeah, so you've got Mars opposing Cancer, and that goes exact the 14th. But the same day, Mars is trining Neptune. So this is what I was saying about all of this stuff happening around 18 degrees. Is you've got, if you've got Neptune and Saturn and Jupiter all very close to each other. So while Mars is running into a brick wall, uh, he's got an oil slick under his feet. So he's running really, really fast into the brick wall. Yep. You know, you've got obstacles and you've got confusion and you don't know what to do and and you don't know why you don't know what to do. It's a rough spot. Thankfully, Jupiter is in the mix because you need optimism. You need hope. You need the feeling like things will get better because things will get better. This is a temporary rough patch. Things but, will get better. But, but, but then here comes Mercury. <laughs> Yeah, well, they won't get better immediately because you've also got Mercury coming up around the next few days. So Mercury trines Neptune and opposes Saturn on the 16th. So Mercury, which is feeling very feelingsy and tender and guarded, all these Cancer planets are, running into the brick wall of Saturn, trining Neptune... And a trine is a harmonious aspect, but it's also like a flowing aspect. Yeah, it's still a contact. It's still a contact, and you don't want too much free-flowing lack of... Neptune lacks friction enough as it is. Right. So, after Mercury opposes Saturn on the 16th, which is also the same day that the Jupiter-Neptune square goes exact, um, he's besieged. Mercury is between an opposition to Saturn and a conjunction to Mars. And Mercury is ruling the Sun and Venus here. Right. So all of this tender-hearted, the the heart and the mind, and it's all just very... having a hard time. Struggles. Struggles, yeah. It'll get easier. Mm -hmm. This is just a difficult... Two, we've had two really difficult summers in a row. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Fall's going to be much nicer. Yes. On the 18th, the Saturn-Neptune sextile goes exact. So all of that mud of the, the, the solid Earth of Saturn and the open ocean of Neptune 
um, gets gets um, gets emphasized around there. Do you have any thoughts on the Saturn Neptune sextile, Margaret? The Saturn Neptune sextile. I mean, like you were saying, Saturn is boundaries, and Neptune is not. <laughs> um. So I've always seen a sextile as more of like a you meet someone at a party and hit it off and you're both like, I love scuba diving. Oh, my God. So do I. Oh, my God. Wow, that's so cool. And it's kind of like a it's a it's a harmonious aspect, but it's got that little zap of like excited flitting about. So interesting. I mean, Saturn and Neptune are. They kind of have what each other... I don't want to say have what each other lacks, because that implies opposition. That's not what I'm trying to say. But they kind of have, like, hey, man, loosen up a little bit. Yeah, cool, but, like, you shouldn't let... You know, you should put up a, a little bit more structure. Oh, okay, cool. So it's kind of conversational in that they're supporting each other. That's how I see it in a way. <laughs> I don't know what's making it hard to describe. I can picture it in my head well neptune probably neptune <laughs> and the fact that we're both really fucking tired as we're recording this how that do we too. always end up in this scenario but uh i mean i i see that as again i don't want to say fill in the blank opposition is not what i'm going for but it's kind of like hey like maybe you should try to do this hey cool suggestion collaborative pal like maybe you should try to do that so they're supporting each other and like a it's not a trine. A trine is like more of that picture frame support I was talking about before. But a sextile is more just like a mutual thumbs up. Okay. Yeah, it's more casual. <laughs> yeah, it's more casual. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so they're casually helping each other. Yeah. While affecting all of these faster moving. Yeah, absolutely. So there is an abject, like, Saturn is brick-walling the crap out of, you know, Mercury and Mars, and thus affecting Sun and Venus. But it's getting the thumbs up from across the room from Neptune, who's trining, you know, Mercury and Mars here. So yeah. it's kind of like a dipping your toe in the water and seeing what move you want to make, but also just, like, doing it. It's also like, I know there's a way around this wall. I know I can get past this. I just can't see it. I can't yeah. see the way through this obstacle. But I, have faith. I know there's one there. I have faith that there is one there, but God, why can't I see it? It must be right in front of me and I just can't see anything. You know, that kind of like. Right. I huh. mean, I don't want to. I mean, the I feel like the part where I can't see it is like classic Neptune. And that's a little more obvious. But the fact where I know there's a way around it there, that certainty Practical. that there is some way around this obstacle is part of the story as well. Because of the way that Neptune is connecting both ends of the opposition. Yeah. And Neptune squared Jupiter. Yeah, exactly. So right in the middle of all this, we've got a full moon. <laughs> of course. On June 17th, 4.30, 4.30 a.m. Or 4.31 if you want to round it. In uh, Eastern Time on June 17th. We've got... The sun at 25 Gemini and the moon at 25 Sag. 
so this is his lunation. So all of this is happening and the energy level is amped up because the moon is full. Right. The moon is in better shape. Jupiter is retrograde, but he's still a dignified benefic. He's still doing all right. Right. Still doing pretty all right. Pretty all right. And ruling that moon, so you've got that going for you. The sun is just not in great shape. Right. Because the sun is being ruled by Mercury right when he's in between two malefics. Right. So that's some rough energy. On the other hand, you've got Venus at the same time on the fixed star Aldebaran, which I wish I had more to say about, um, but I'm still getting to know that one. And uh, the, it is one of the better fixed stars, though. It's a royal star. It's high honor and riches. I believe it was prominent in John F. Kennedy's chart. Right. So you've got a very sparkly, bright, you know, in pretty decent shape Venus around this time as well, which is helping get through all of this energy. Right. But yeah. Did you have anything else you're picking up about this donation? Not particularly. It's just all I really noticed myself was that it was very close to Jupiter and being ruled by Jupiter, a dignified Jupiter. Yeah, it is. That's, um, that's good and nice. <laughs> it's also like in aversion to all of the malefics. Yeah, it's kind of so, hiding out. Yeah, it's able to sort of... Sidestep them. Yeah, exactly. Avoid dealing with all of the boneyardy stuff. Yeah. So that full moon is prob- is creating a bit of a bright spot, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And all of this. The sun could be doing better, but moon's doing good. And the point of the full moon is the moon. So <laughs> I think this is, I honestly feel like that's actually going to, now that I'm thinking about it and talking about it, I feel like that's going to be another thing that's going to make all of this a little bit easier, especially the whole time the moon's in Sagittarius. Right, exactly. Around that. Because all of that stuff in Cancer is at least being ruled by a moon that's with a uh, dignified Jupiter. Yeah. Because, you know, that all of the stuff in Cancer, while the moon's in Sag, has that Jupiter energy going for it. Right. Oh, and of course, um, <laughs> after all of this stuff gets past Saturn, after Mercury and Mars get past Saturn, they have to deal with Pluto. <laughs> Right. And both Mercury and Mars oppose Pluto. So, Mercury conjoins Mars exactly on the 18th. And then Mercury and Mars both oppose Pluto on the 19th. Mm-hmm. And that all happens... Um, at 22 degrees, it seems. <laughs> all happens at 21, 22 degrees, yeah. So there's that very intense sort of, um, you know, I think that I must act on it immediately, and it's opposite Pluto, so I must act in a really, really intense way. Extra. Uh, 100 or 0%, and no in between. <laughs> yeah, it is impulsive. It is impulsive actions with far-reaching consequences. Urgent. <laughs> you know. I'm. I, there was some comedian I forget who said this, who said that Irish coffee is an is an incredible invention, 
because you put the alcohol with the caffeine and it gets you drunk and makes you in a hurry to do dumb things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm picking up some of that vibe around this time. <laughs> the Irish coffee transit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, Neptune's, well, they're past Neptune at this point, but like <laughs> Neptune is also stationing on the 21st, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, so this Mercury conjunct Mars opposed Pluto. Mercury Mars is impulsive, and Pluto is can be pretty dark as well. Um, so I would say if you find yourself getting really, really obsessed about something, particularly if you're angry or frustrated about it, um, the desire to take to take action on it is going to be really strong around the 18th, 19th, but yeah, don't. Take a minute. Take a breath. Maybe. Yeah, take a minute. Think about it. Matter of fact, you can take for a beat. Um, (laughs) 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 Perfect. (laughs) Anyway. Be mindful of impulsivity on the 18th, 19th. Of course, while all of this is going on, so Neptune... <laughs> we'll be fine. We're going to be fine! We'll through this. <laughs> we will make it through this together. I believe in all of us. Humanity will uh, persevere. We shall overcome. If we repeat um, it enough, it'll happen. <laughs> on the other hand, maybe pride, pr- maybe gay pride will go back to its roots and become a riot. Ooh, that could spicy. be a really positive outcome of all of this. That's spicy, right? Yeah. Anyway, Neptune stations retrograde on the twenty first, and I like to say that when when an outer planet like Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto is retrograde, it it doesn't really matter that much compared to when it's direct. What matters is like the week centering around the station that planet's effects get super intense and sort of spread out maybe a full week on either side for it um centered around the 21st of for this neptune station of more of that sort of woozy confusy (laughs) atmosphere um also could be very sleepy like, there could be real extremes of energy around this time. If I have to go, I have to go, I have to move, I have to move, I'm going to pass out right now and yeah. pass out for the next week. <laughs> so there's all of that going on. So maybe if around the 18th, 19th, if you're feeling an, an, an urge to take big impulsive action, which you will probably regret later, um, go take a nap instead. Yes. Naps are good. Naps are excellent. Anyway, there's. let me see... Okay, there's like only a couple more things to talk about. Guys, we're tired. <laughs> we're trying. It's we love you. A... We're here, but we're feeling what you're feeling. We are. We are right there with you. Yes. Feeling every moment of this. On June 23rd, uh, Venus opposes Jupiter. And on June 24th, Venus squares Neptune. So this Jupiter-Neptune story of religiosity and spirituality and hope and delusion 
and optimism and joy and excess and the triumph of the hopeful delusion and all of that gets Venus in the mix around mm. that time. And the moon's going to be in Pisces around this time as well. Um, adding to all of this. So in that case, it would be a lot of um, adding the beauty and the aesthetic and the sensuality and the connection and the social aspect. So it would be a good time to join together with others in your effort to make the world a better place in spite of all signs to the contrary. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, these are dark times. Like, this is a difficult month. But, like... <laughs> yeah. This is a difficult month in a diff in a period of a difficult few years. Yeah. And I like to say that evil always triumphs in the middle. That is excellently stated. Thank you. I wish I could claim it was original. Bringing in some of the joy and the hope and the optimism that's necessary for this time hold on to that and it's going to be easier to do that around the time when venus is configured with jupiter and neptune on the 23rd 24th especially because both mars and mercury will be out from under the boneyard and you've also got the uh the moon in pisces bringing sort of the daydreamy aspect sort of showing like how one can envision what a better world could be because I think that's one of the things that's lacking a lot of these times is a sort of vision for how things could be different. Yeah, exactly. How we can pull I've, that off. I found that to be such a struggle, especially right now. Well, everyone wants to tear everything down as rapidly as possible, but I haven't really heard a lot of talk about what we would rather re replace it with, you know, or or create, which gives you know, my Aquarian nature, a lot of like, well, well, what do you want instead? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's having a big gaping well, hole is, is nice, but it's not. <laughs> well, once Saturn goes into Aquarius, uh, next year, that time is going to be where a lot of the stuff gets figured out, particularly after the Jupiter Saturn conjunction late next year. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, your your Saturn in Aquarius is going to be your gen your generation mini generation of people with Saturn in Aquarius having their first Saturn return is going to be a lot of the people figuring this stuff out. Sweet. <laughs> you know. So, the last thing I want to talk about, the last thing that happens in June, uh, is that Mercury enters Leo. Mercury enters Leo on the 26th. Yep. Where they will station retrograde on July 7th. Indeed. Yeah, they first enter their shadow just after they oppose Pluto. So around the 21st, I think. Uh, 20th or 21st. And uh, then they're in Leo's, slowing way down. And that's just something to note that Mercury and I mean, I'm not one of those people who thinks Mercury isn't fallen, Leo. I used to be. <laughs> but uh, now I'm very much of the more traditional mindset with that. Um, of Mercury being in fallen Pisces. But um, Mercury in Leo is loud and gregarious and, and social and active and everybody look at me. 
but he's also still really, really close to Mars at this point, so he can be kind of too aggressive at it, about it. But it's a much more energetic and it's a much more communicative Mercury. So they have that going for him. And that's June. That is June. <laughs> Ta-da! Jazz hands. Jazz hands. That's more of a Mercury Leo thing. We can do more jazz hands next month. We can do more jazz hands next month. Mercury's going to be retrograde next month, but we can totally do jazz hands then. We can do jazz hands like in our souls. I mean, I do that like every day. Yes, you are very jazzy. That's what keeps me going. (laughs) 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 Well, um, we look forward to talking to you next month. Where can people find you if they're looking for you on the interwebs? Um, I am on Twitter at lip and bone on Instagram at greetings by Arthur. Um, my website is arthurlipbonowitz.com, A-R-T-H-U-R-L-I-P-P-B-O-N-E-W-I-T-S.com. If you want to book a reading with me, it's arthurlipbonowitz.com slash readings. Uh, I just created a shortened link for that, which I think I actually did it just before the episode last month. Uh, bit.ly slash A-L-B-R-E-A-D. And I have a blog, and I just started posting just uh, this past Friday. I'm back to doing my daily and weekly astro weather reports. So on Twitter and Instagram, you can see me doing a little bit of art I made out of stock photography every day with the space weather for that day. And uh, every Friday, I'll be posting the uh week's astrology for starting the next sunday um and that's going to be on my blog but it'll also be linked to on my twitter and instagram margaret excellent you can find me on twitter at mad marg underscore so m-a-d-m-a-r-g underscore uh instagram same handle for my personal instagram you can also find me at Sky Roots Astrology, all one word, on Instagram, um, if you need to get a hold of me. If you would like uh, any information about readings, go ahead and send me an email at skyrootsastrology at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to work something out with you. If you want to find out about us as the podcast, we are at Bird's Eye Astro on Twitter, at Bird's Eye Astrology on Instagram. And uh, be sure, if you enjoyed this podcast, to leave us a like or a rating and uh, or a review on whatever on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And if you'd like to support the show and production of future episodes and better audio equipment and better and help us uh, pay our audio engineer more, which they deserve. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash birdseyeastrology. Until next time. Bye-bye.